0: Hello and welcome to the Great Birth Rebellion podcast, where we grapple with current research to help you get the best out of your pregnancy, birth and postpartum journey, while still challenging the dominant birth culture. I'm your host, Dr. Melanie Jackson at Melanie the Midwife, and I'm joined weekly by my co-host B from Core and Flora Store, and this is the Great Birth Rebellion. Welcome everybody to the Great Birth Rebellion podcast. I'm here with you again, Mel B's here. We've also got two guests today, Hazel Kiedel and Sharon Setekase from Better Birth, Illawarra. And Hazel Kiedel, we've had Hazel on the podcast before who worked with us on the Birth After Caesarean podcast. And we did, but we did a birth trauma episode with you as well, Hazel. That's, that's right. right yep. Yes. Uh, so, Hazel is Dr. Hazel Keitel from Western Sydney University. She's a researcher and a lecturer there and one of the lead researchers in charge of the BEST study, which is which is also what we spoke about on that podcast with you, Hazel, on birth trauma. And Sharon is from Better Births Illawarra, which is a community consumer representative group and, and there's a big advocacy movement around you guys, Better Births Illawarra. And so... We Today we're going to focus on, this is a bit of a time pressured topic, so we really want to get this information out and it's really for everybody all over Australia, actually all over the world because it's a global issue. But here in Australia, there is an inquiry into birth trauma. So this means that politicians and people who are in charge and run our country have caught wind of the issue of obstetric violence and birth trauma. And they're interested in learning more. And they've asked us, the citizens, to give our input and give our submissions to this inquiry. And so today we're discussing this inquiry. We want to talk about the bare bones of it, how it started, the anatomy of how change happens, and what you can do to make a difference in this space in Australia, but also. For those listening internationally, there's a model building here of how we can replicate this situation and interest and inquiry into this issue all over the world, all over Australia. So listen up, guys, pull in, turn up the volume. Don't turn this off,
1: right? Please don't turn this off. If you are thinking, I'm not in New South Wales, this doesn't apply to me. If you're thinking that right now, please keep listening because this is the starting block. And if we don't get this right, the rest of the country is not going to have a chance, not even going to have a chance, right? This is going to be our foundation for changing birth trauma. And I'm going to cry (laughs) because, well, it's huge, right? And we're not, we haven't, we're not at the point where we're going to change it yet. So I've just spent the whole weekend starting to train people in healing birth trauma, but I don't want to keep doing that. I don't want it to exist anymore. And if we don't, if the government doesn't get enough submissions, then they go. This isn't a thing and nothing will be done, not only in New South Wales, but nationwide and internationally. So we have this incredible opportunity now to make change. And if we stuff it up, no one else will get a chance. So please keep listening from the bottom of my heart. Please keep listening. All the women and all the families need us it really changes oh my god I'm not even bleeding it's yeah. <laughs> just, I'm oh, just so it. big oh, we don't, this is healthcare. we don't want to band-aid it anymore we want to prevent it and this is the prevention so this isn't just a New South Wales thing this isn't everybody everywhere in the world and this is our chance for change and we're not there right so keep listening ring all your friends in New South Wales make I'm not allowed to say that, but just bring like, really friends in New South Wales and get them to put a submission in because this—if we can get this right, then we'll get it right for the rest for the rest
0: of the of the country. And the B always brings the appropriate level of emotion to these podcasts, and I so appreciate it. Oh, talking about first
1: trauma. Getting passionate, but please keep listening because then you'll have the knowledge of what
0: we need to do when it comes to your place. Absolutely. This is the energy we need for this topic. All right. Well, let's get into it. Hazel, I'm going to kick off with you. Can you just, for anybody who's not yet involved in this inquiry, doesn't know anything about it, can we start from the very beginning? What is this inquiry into birth trauma? Politically, where are we at? How did it start? All the things
2: yeah this is so exciting. it is oh it's unprecedented this has ever happened. it's had a an interesting background because it it's all about getting someone who's interested in the topic, someone who's important, someone who's got influence and someone who's in government and so it's actually come from a few different avenues. Really importantly, it's come from consumer organisations. So we have some amazing maternity consumer organisations across Australia. And actually, you know, these were national ones that were, that were working on this. And so we had um, representatives from Maternity Choices and also from Maternity Consumer Network and others. And there started to be, and certainly Asia from Maternity Choices is fantastic at reaching out and trying to get hold of people and she started sending out this information to government to say you know we need we need some input and I I happened to be cc'd in some of those emails and I could see that there was one person that was getting quite interested and we had just had our obstetric violence paper accepted it wasn't out yet but it was accepted in the journal violence against women so we were um also thinking well how what kind of impact will this have so there was this This politician, Emma Hurst, the Honourable Emma Hurst, who's in part of the Legislative Council, so the Upper House of New South Wales. And she was starting to respond and starting to ask a few more questions. So I kind of jumped in at that point too, and I went, well, I'm a researcher on this. Let's talk further. So not only were the consumer organisations working on it, we then stepped in as well and said, let's meet. So So myself and Hannah, Professor Hannah Darling from the Birth Experience, we're both from the Birth Experience Study, and then we also got, really importantly on this, is um, Bashi Hazard. And so she has she's a human rights lawyer, and she's part of Human Rights in Childbirth, which is another consumer organization. So she's got this really amazing lawyer head around human rights in childbirth. So we met with Emma, um, the, the two of us as researchers and midwives, and then also Emma and um, her team and then Barshi. And that was a really important meeting, because it meant we could kind of explain what the issue is, explain what we found in our research. So, you know, we knew that 28% of women experience birth trauma, one more than one in 10 women experience obstetric violence. And we gave her a lot more information on that. And then we had a series of meetings, actually, and we started looking at, well, what does what would change actually look like? You know, there's one thing complaining about it, but what actually would change look like? And that was really vital that Barshi was involved in that and we're talking about what legislation could look like and all these ideas. And Tess is part of Emma's team and she's a lawyer as well. And so, you know, there was all this kind of lawyer speak, which is very exciting. And then I remember actually saying to Emma, well, what would this even look like? Like, how do we? you know, this is new to me, like, how do we even get this started? And that's when she first mentioned to me, well, if we put together draft legislation, we would then look at asking for an inquiry. And that's the first that I heard about inquiry. She did mention in our study in the budget estimates, and she mentioned some of the consumer organisations and birth trauma in budget estimates, which seems a bit strange for budget estimates. But I didn't know what that was, but it basically means politicians can ask any question at all. So they did. She asked questions of the health minister and of the women's minister of the previous government. So then we've had a change of government in New South Wales. And we ha- now have Labour in 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 sitting. But Emma is still there because Emma's got a secure seat. And she's actually independent because she's from the member of the she's a member of the Animal Justice Party. So suddenly there was a, I guess a lot more pressure, there was more change, there was more opportunity. And uh, there was this HCCC in, in a complaint as well from a group from Wollongong Hospital, and that was coming, getting out into the press. And Emma mentioned that she met with the health minister, with the consumer organisations, and the health minister and her talked about that as well, talked about this idea of, of an inquiry. And then one morning, I got a very excited phone call from Emma's Tess, who works for Emma, rang me and said, we've got an inquiry and it's going to happen really, really quickly. And so they we've been also been working on the terms of reference in the background. So I said, oh my God, look, do the terms of reference include obstetric violence? That's what I was really excited about. Yes, it does, Hazel. So we came out, like we, we managed to get some more media on it. And then the inquiry was open for submissions. So what the process is is they've got a select committee from cross-party members Of government in the upper house who will read the submissions that come through and also run some hearings and then at the end of all of that go away and come up with some recommendations based on everything that they've heard. Even before submissions finish they have an expert briefing session that I'll be going along to and presenting um, information to them so that they know kind of even what what everything is like what the terminology is and what everything is so yeah it's been a, an amazing build-up that would not have happened if it wasn't for a group of consumers working together different consumer organizations working together pushing it forward finding someone who would listen and that is so vital that we have an emma and then us also kind of getting in from the research point of view from the law point of view and then It's just been this amazing timing that we can now go, okay, enough is enough. Let's work on this. And Emma has been the champion. And Emma is now the chair of that select committee.
0: Amazing. So that means, and maybe Sharon, you can speak to this as well, about the anatomy of a movement like this. And this can be replicated on any human rights maternity care issue. You know, this is just—it's creating a bit of a formula for how do we generate change, and unfortunately, change can often—it's not as exciting as getting those emails, Hazel, or having these big inquiries occur. You know, this this presents an opportunity, but in my experiences, that that big change can be boring, time consuming, and Sharon, you were talking earlier about the importance of allegiances you know, through mm. generating this change. So can you talk to the talk to us about how do we create this kind of change in movement and to get the attention of the important people, the Emmas of the world? Yeah. Sure. Uh, what needs to happen?
3: Thanks, Mel. And it's a really great question because I know you've got a global and national audience. So again, this isn't just about New South Wales. So we know Better Births has been around for seven years. Uh, The consumer organisations that Hazel talked about have been around for longer than that. And who we are, interested community members. So I'm a cesarean birth mum who sat down with a couple of friends and they went through their midwifery group practice and noticed quite a massive difference in the births that they experienced their pregnancy and postpartum. And we were like, what the hell why is aren't more people having access to this so it starts from that level starts from that personal level and we got organized and then we started reaching out and you're right um change can be really boring and it's a bit like a long posterior birth and you're like i know i can do this and it's going to take a while and it's effortful and you know those lulls and the peaks and you need stamina and you need to support each other. you It's literally like, you know, there's never a better metaphor than birth for change. It's about transformation. So you need to be aligning yourself and in alliances with other groups, so reaching out, having a coffee with the, you know, the group up the road at the next local health district or, you know, with the local dad's group or whatever it is. And also the importance of reaching out to your local MPs. I couldn't, you know, I didn't think that I would ever get in touch with the member for the Shooters and Fishers party because what the hell do they have to do with birth? Well, they do, you know, they're part of the community as well, and they have power and they have a say and a seat at the table where decisions are made and where budgets are decided. So, you know, sometimes it's those unlikely bedfellows that you, you know, you need to talk with. And so in terms of change, it takes ages. It's, it's you know, my background's in international human rights and advocacy. And we know that sometimes it takes decades, or it takes a generation for things to shift. So, you know, patience, stamina, commitment is absolutely crucial. And those partnerships and alliances Are just as important. And that's how this inquiry started. And probably how the one, you know, when it happens in Victoria, when it happens in Western Australia, when it happens in Tasmania, when it happens in, you know, New Zealand, wherever it is, that's how you need to start.
0: It sounds very grassroots. It's not coming top down. So I think that's the other thing that we really need to realize is that it doesn't matter who you are you know if you throw a rock in the in the pond it's going to create a ripple and that starts from you person listening to this podcast you know whatever your background is mm. and so this is within reach of virtually everybody to start being a piece in the puzzle of change so what it's sort of became obvious to me as you were talking is that hazel couldn't have done it by herself Better births, Illawarra couldn't have done it by themselves. You know, the Great Birth Rebellion will be a tiny little piece in the puzzle of change, even just in this recording. You know, the person who puts in a submission, Hazel, when you go and do your presentation, all these little pieces of the puzzle generate change. So we have to be just a person in the link of change. We're not going to be the, you know, the big hero. There's not going to be a glamorous awards party for any of us for doing this work. So I think, yeah, let's just be realistic about how change happens. Thanks, Sharon. That was super important for people to realise that it's, this did not come from government. This came from consumers and people and professionals at different levels. So mm-hmm. we're all part of that. Well, Hazel, can you tell us why do we need this inquiry?
2: Oh, well, I think just for that, we need to have a change. You know, one in three women experiencing birth trauma, one in 10 experiencing obstetric violence, that, that's not okay. When we put that across Australia, that's thousands of women a year. And this inquiry is giving another level of voice because at the end of the day, you know, our policies, our guidelines, you know, our directives come from policy makers, and there's the government influence with that So the fact that they're listening and they're interested in learning more is major. And it's given that opportunity to have that voice from every submission that goes in, they are reading them. Like I met with the organizers of the inquiry the other day, and these were two women who have no idea about birth trauma, even though they've had their own experiences and they're reading every single one of them. And, you know, it's impacting them. And then, you know, it will go to the select committee as well. So it change isn't going to happen only from the ground up. Like we've got to have change from all levels. And this is this voice from the ground up has now impacted this level and now this level of hearing. And that's fantastic. So we've got to make make the best of this opportunity. Like I, I saw one comment on one of my posts saying, Oh, well, you know, nothing will happen from this. Well, we haven't done this before. Like we haven't had this happen before. And we've all got a role in making sure that it is listened to, that, you know, people do have put in submissions, that people do go to the hearings and share their stories. And then when the recommendations come out, that we actually, we actually hold them to account and say, well, you made those recommendations, what are you going to do about it? Where are you going to put your money into that? You know, if you've come up with this recommendation, then what are you going to do with that? So it's really powerful because it means these recommendations are going to be read at a much bigger level and there's going to be people that are held to account. You know, They might be looking at health services and saying, well, this needs to be better in this area, therefore you need to make this change. So it's a really important inquiry. We've not really seen this happen before, so I think we've just really got to jump on board and make as big a voice as we can, get as many submissions as we can, and then hold them accountable for their recommendations. Who
1: gets to come up with the recommendations? How is so that makes- how does that happen because as a as a midwife who is a lover of research and we sit here Mel and I and we look at the evidence and there's so much of it for midwife free continuity of care there's beautiful evidence for doulas we know we know the answer already. We know what the recommendations need to be. We know we have the solution. We've just never been heard or the solutions hasn't been implemented. And then all of a sudden we get these recommendations that just come out of left field. And I think that is where a lot of people's frustrations are, right? Like we just keep putting more and more money into these things. And I see that those people's hesitate like people's hesitation where's midway free continuity of care because we've got randomized control trials so who gets to develop it develop those
2: recommendations do we know well i think the interesting thing about this inquiry is it's focusing on birth trauma and looking at preventative birth trauma so the attitude is this could be prevented and how can we prevent that so certainly in the um, report that we're putting together for it from the birth experience study we're also showing that you know we're showing that not only do midwifery models of care do all the things that you say you actually end up with less traumatized women too and that hasn't really had too much of a voice and we're going to be putting that that voice out there so I think the you know there's there's you know big inquiries into maternity care, which are absolutely important and needed. but this is actually then on you know women are coming out of of this maternity care system traumatized. And so how do we focus on that? The other thing I do want to just mention is uh, you know the select committee are the select committee, but they obviously have their own backgrounds as well and and um, and they bring that to it and they really do have you know, that wish to to make make experiences for women better i mean emma herself from her background is is a psychologist and from the very beginning they've reached out to us and said how can we make this trauma informed so as part of the um, expert team they've actually got a a trauma informed heronatal psychologist be part of the team even how they do the hearings they're going to make sure that they that that is all designed so that it's not re-traumatizing women and even just from like watching it from that design side makes me think yeah that they're taking this seriously. They're not just going, come up here and talk and share your stories and get re-traumatised. They're actually going, how can we do this in a really sensitive sensitive way? Uh, but I guess as loud as we are to make this inquiry happen, we've just got to be as loud as we are to make sure that the recommendations go out there. And those recommendations will be based from the select committee after they've read all the submissions and listened to all the hearings, and the hearings will have a variety of women and experts speaking at those hearings. What's also important to look at on that website is the terms of reference. And I'm actually really excited by these terms of reference, because they include things like uh, limitations to maternity models of care. So for example, Sharon's story, when she was saying she just got together with a couple of other women who did experience MGP, and she didn't. And she's like, "Oh, hang on, what's going on? Well, actually, this select committee wants to find out why are those limitations there do they make a difference is it a difference if a woman goes through one model of care compared to another on the impact of birth trauma so we've got a committee of politicians only that are going to make the
1: recommendations but they've done it you are confident is what I'm hearing in a the way they have set it up and b the way they're listening Because I think a lot of us have that fear that they're going to come out with something that is an evidence-based because we have seen that before or we've seen beautiful recommendations and, as you've said, they haven't come through with them, and so I c- I can see people's hesitations and frustrations. I can hear your excitement, which is exciting, right? If you're excited, I'm excited, and we all need to get excited, especially because change can be boring. And I think change is not only boring; change can be incredibly frustrating. We've
2: got to have confidence because what's the alternative? We just say, "Oh, who cares?" Like we've got to have that confidence because that's got to that's going to make this work. And I will. We'll quickly add, there was one woman that contacted me and she'd been asking about, you know, what is this? What is this inquiry? And I gave her more information and then she submitted her story and then she wrote back to me and said that she'd been wanting to make a complaint for the last few years and had never, wasn't sure how to do it, but writing it down as hard as that was, writing it down, putting it into that inquiry made her feel so good because she thought her pain was actually going to impact other people and it was going to try and prevent this from happening to further women. And so although the process was, she was challenged, she was scared by doing it, actually sending it off to the submission made her feel really, I think, excited and and confident that this was going to have an impact for other women. They're
1: being heard right that's what I'm hearing from you people are being heard which is what most people with trauma want is they want to be heard and that's that's what we want here right we we don't we want it this is a prevention method.
0: Sharon you had something to add earlier when.
1: Yeah B.
0: I I really appreciate you
3: like pushing this and saying like is change going to happen like what's the point because yeah been there done that we I can't even begin to tell voice. you.
1: It's everybody's like, that are going to follow this through and not give up on it.
3: Yeah. I, before, you know, coming on here, I just, I didn't speed, but I came back from Wollongong. So we're regional. We're not in Sydney. We're a regional centre. And I sat with a woman similar to you, your story, Hazel, who she had, so I went to a house and because this is what we've been trying to do, right? Like it is. We are asking a lot to get women to write down and relive their experience. So this woman, like she had all her clinical notes next to her on the desktop. She had these amazing birth trauma affirmations cards next next to that. And she kind of apologised that she was taking up my time. Thanks, sorry, you know. And, but she again also said, this feels so good to get this down, get this out. Those clinical notes have been sitting in that drawer for three years. And so that was her feedback. My mate came past last night to pick up her kid, <laughs> little babysitting. And she said, Jazz, yes, like, it's amazing. I got a phone call from the parliamentary select committee. I'm like, oh my God, why? <laughs> And she said they were just checking because I had put that I'm happy to be for my name to be made public. And so they rang me to check to inform me what that meant and just to double check to see if that was still okay. And that I still wanted that box checked. And then they asked me how I was going. And I just looked at her and I was like, really? Like, are you just saying that to make me feel good about what we're doing? She's like, no, no. This is what they did. Now, like I said, I've been in, involved in advocacy for a long time. I have never, ever heard of something like this happening for someone from some abstract government committee to ring, you know, a woman who lives in regional Australia just to see how she's going after she's putting her submission. So, so I, beautiful. It's, it's really important and that is actually how it should be done. So yes, we're grateful, but that's that should be the the very basics that should be um, and, and so they're doing it really well, very respectful, very empathetic about what it takes to write um, these things down. The other thing that I just wanted to say as well was there are so many different ways to write is submission. So I sat with a dad, you know, watching the footy the other night and he was telling me and I'm like, "Did you want to write this down?" He's like, "Yeah, but I don't really know." And I'm, and we just made some dot points and he submitted it. Just some dot points. He what he didn't want to go into all the details. I'm like, "That's cool." So that was another that was another way. And I also just want to mention that there are lots of people in our community, mothers, birthing parents, who are from marginalised, oppressed communities, you know, their English might not be their first language, and they have extra barriers to being part of this process. And they're usually the voices that aren't heard, and they often have a lot more, you know, different compounded trauma, like the racism they experience in the birthing unit or the postnatal ward so you know really making an effort to make sure that yes written communication is really important but if you know someone who has is breastfeeding her six-week-old baby and is like you know wants to make a submission but doesn't have free hands to type on the keyboard transcribe it for her this is about coming together and supporting each other through this process and there can be really beautiful connected things that come out of it and I've you know just from my personal experience supporting people through writing their submissions the there's healing that's part of this and there's resolution so those feelings of okay like it feels like I've closed a book on that like a weight lift has been lifted off my shoulders I've heard all of those things and I've also heard people say, I actually don't have the capacity right now and there should be no guilt, no shame, no pressure for those people to put a submission in. But we do need to be supporting people, you know, with our own skills. How do we support people to write submissions?
0: You make yeah. a, a really good point, Sharon, about the emotional investment of revisiting those events that first traumatized women at their birth. So often with birth trauma, women almost don't have a choice but to put it away rather than actually access resources to heal from it. And so having to dig it back up is a real emotional and time investment into this process. So, Yes, we want to acknowledge that that can be a massive barrier to getting involved in something like this where women are feeling like they're not ready to revisit their birth trauma yet for the sake of this inquiry. And to those women too, even if you could put one line, even if you want to say something like, I had so much birth trauma that I actually can't revisit it right now, For this inquiry, but I need you to know that I'm so traumatized by what happened to me that I can't retell the story. And that is powerful enough. Mm,
3: Yeah, absolutely. And the other side of this is they need to know what the solutions are. So even like we, you know, if you if you don't want to and you have absolutely every right not to have to rewrite what happened. But write down what you wish had happened. What do you wish had happened in your pregnancy, in your labour, in your birth, in your postpartum? What do you know would have made things different for you? And you can just write that. You don't even have to go into your story. So this is where submissions about positive stories. So if you have if you had a home birth with a private practising midwife and it was, intervention free it was respectful it was centered on you and your baby then write those things down so that we you know so that those people on the select committee who don't know what a private practicing midwife and why the hell are they private practicing midwives and why don't why are women accessing them and why are they paying all this money because you know like we need to hear those positive stories if you're in the mgp if you're lucky enough to get into an mgp and had an amazing experience, write a submission. They need a blueprint yeah. around what, so what, you know, like you said, B, we've got all the evidence. We know the MGP works, we know all the things that are going to lead to positive, normal, gentle, empowered physiological births or empowered, gentle cesarean births, whatever it is, they need the blueprint. They they don't know how we know. So we, you know, this is part of this is educating people who don't have much understanding. We have that power. We, you know, you have that power. If you've had a positive birth, put in a submission, tell them why it was positive. So important. Same as if you're a student midwife, listing or a midwife, a registrar, a doula, give them a snapshot. This is what I've noticed. This is why women walk away feeling absolutely abandoned or, you know, whatever it is, disrespected. And this is what's happened when women, you know, when women have walked away with a complete shine on their face and glowing and ecstatic these are the differences. So, you know, that the positive birth stories are equally as important. And yeah, so I I think it's so important to just acknowledge the spectrum of stories and it doesn't have to be a horrific outcome of a birth to warrant, you know, putting in a submission. It could be that horrible sentence that was whispered at, you know, by you by a really tired, overworked midwife that maybe didn't mean it, but it still eight years later you think about it and also those you know transformative positive births have a place in this um inquiry
1: you mm. made I- two incredible points there sharon the f- first thing that this is open to anyone so we know when you started talking about that you were doing it with a dad uh, like straight away my brain was like oh It's for everyone, right? And I think a lot of people would think the same thing. It's only for me if I've had a traumatic birth and people really define what birth trauma is in their own head. So many times people will come to do a birth date with, birth debrief with me, and they'll say, oh, my experience wasn't that bad. And this is what we do as women. We don't claim our space. There is no greater time than now, than we are worthy around this. So just, this is open to anyone. So birth support people, birth workers is what I'm hearing. So midwives, student midwives, obstetricians, doctors, anyone can submit into this inquiry the other thing is there is no definition of birth trauma i think in our society we see trauma as this really horrible thing that has to have reached this level in order to be traumatic you don't have to use that word you can just say that your birth felt disconnected or you felt uncared for or you felt unsupported and your birth trauma may actually be what happened to you in pregnancy how you felt coerced, how you weren't given care that was instinctual and you weren't encouraged to listen to your incredible wise body and you weren't supportive. There are many women living in this country who are 60, 70, 80 years old still with their birth trauma because, because they never got the chance to speak it. Every story deserves to be heard and I acknowledge wholeheartedly how we live in a culture that is very scared of feeling. Most of us are very scared of our feelings. So please reach out. Reach out for some some support. Don't do this alone. Don't sit there in your home alone when you already feel at capacity with your baby writing this. Ask a friend to come over, sit with your partner, whoever you've got available to you, and please nurture and nourish yourself. And what I want to say here is can you meet yourself with compassion? And the number one thing I want to offer here is you did the very best you could with all you had at the time. So just a lot of love to you. If you have friends that you know whose submissions and stories really need to be heard, maybe you can support them. I know we're asking a lot. I know we are, but we're doing it because we're trying to implement change and change often requires us to experience levels of discomfort. So yeah, it's going to take some feeling to change this. And if we don't feel it, other people are going to continue to feel what we don't want to.
0: And Hazel, you mentioned that there's a level where some maternity care providers feel maybe a little bit gagged by their workplace to actually contribute to this inquiry. That might have been a strong word. But I don't think that's a strong word. I think it's probably a good description, right? And so, you know, what you were saying, Sharon and B, is that actually this inquiry isn't just for women who've experienced birth trauma, but there are practitioners who witness women being traumatised and treated poorly and obstetric violence every day, and we've got a unique perspective of the the far-reaching sort of just the volume of how many women are not treated right in birth, and. A single woman will have that experience, but a maternity care provider could watch that happen 20 or 30 times a day in their workplace. And so, Hazel, you had some really, you've actually addressed this issue of workplaces instructing their staff not to make a submission to this inquiry. And so, we want to address that because it's inappropriate. And we, Hazel, you've taken this to the the powers that be. And they've given you some really specific strategies on how to circumvent the politics of your workplace and make a submission as a maternity care provider. So can you share those details with people? And I just also want to tell people all of the important buttons that you need to push to actually make a submission will be underneath this podcast in the show notes. So you don't have to troll around the internet to try and find how to make a submission, just push on the link in the show notes and it'll take you to the page to make a submission. I'll also make a link to Better Births Illawarra Instagram page that's got a lot of information and easy steps on how to make a submission. And bee has got, I'll put a link up, bee has got um, a link in her linked LinkedIn. Is that in the, no, what's it called? It's just in Linktree, so it's in Linktree. my bio. I'll just put it there and
1: so- make it super but, easy.
0: Yeah. And so, Hazel, can you give us some tips for maternity care providers who feel like they can't make a submission because they're concerned about the impact that that might have? Because some of these submissions can be made public. And so, yeah, could you speak to that, Hazel?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And it is, it's is—it's actually really important to share, you know, what you see and what you've witnessed. And certainly as a senior lecturer at Western Sydney, you know, I hear these stories from our students so much. You know, they've they come back and they're like, "I've witnessed this. I've seen this, and we've got to process it with." Them. And it's it's challenging, and it has an ongoing impact too. You know, this this traumatizes clinicians, and you know, you are you, you could experience vicarious trauma. You can experience burnout from seeing this over and over again. And we don't want our clinicians to leave their jobs because they're getting burnout because of witnessing this. So let's just stop it so they don't have to witness it, and we can have. More midwives and clinicians staying in their jobs because we need you. So, what the fear can be is that you know if I if I put my name to this and I mention things, then I could get into trouble for it. And there's been some kind of alluding to to that by some of the clinicians that I've spoken to. Now, when I did speak to the organisers of the of the inquiry, and I said how can we approach this, they said that. It's, it's how you describe it. So, first of all, you don't need to name your hospital, but you can describe it. So you could say that you work in a medium-sized regional hospital in New South Wales, or you can you say you can work in a tertiary referral centre in a major city in New, in New South Wales. You don't have to name the city. You don't have to name the suburb, the area, the town. You can use general terms such as regional, city, rural remote, that kind of information. And New South Wales is a big area. So you know you're not going to be able to identify. And unfortunately, it is these stories will be so common that somebody could read that and then they'd be like, well, that could easily be any of these towns, right? Because it's a it's a common experience. The other thing is you can ask for your name to be withheld. So if the submission then goes um is made public after the inquiry then they will withhold your name, and the same wonderful people that rang up the woman to see if she was okay go through the submission and make sure that they remove anything that's identifying from that if you've accidentally put something in, pretty much like what we do in research when you know we say don't share anything, and then they share absolutely everything, and then we have to take bits out. So that de-identifying process will happen if that's what you ask for. And you don't have to identify either like sick, individual accounts of it you can give a general feel and you could say something like you know I'm I've been a midwife for x amount of years in a large regional hospital and I've experienced birth trauma in such as this and so you don't have to identify a specific example that happened you could you can generalize it you don't put women's names in there. Like as a clinician, you wouldn't do that anyway because you understand confidentiality. But, you know, you don't have to make it really identifying because this committee can't step in and make a change to that particular scenario that is for, you know, other processes to do. They want to know what your experience is from witnessing it over the time. Uh, How it impacts you is another important thing. And, you know, that's not identifying anything. How does witnessing birth trauma or obstetric violence impact you as a clinician? It might be that, you know, I, I, after X amount of time working in this area, I had to move to a different area because I could no longer continuously witness this for example so you know the committee will want to know how it's impacted you or maybe it will be that you you can say and I love what Sharon was saying about you know looking at the positive stuff as well it could be that you did witness it and you experienced it doing one model of care but maybe you moved into a different model of care and then you've seen the changes because of that like, that is gold like that is information we really need so even if you're thinking well right now I work in a great model of care I'm a you know, private midwife on this or I'm that but actually if you have experienced it and that actually that actually made you change what you were doing so that you could give a different model of care and then you can see an impact a positive impact of that tell them that as well so i guess the main take home for that is one don't feel threatened that you can't make a submission because you can two you can keep your name withheld so that doesn't need to come out and two and three you make things general, generalize the hospital that you're in, generalize the experiences that that you've had and you, you won't get into trouble for that. And actually the last thing I want to add as well is as difficult as it is to share individual stories, it will be difficult, potentially difficult for midwives to write that out as well. And we do actually have a fantastic resource out there called Nurse Midwife Support So if you're feeling, if you've you've written a submission and you're like, whoa, that's really kind of made me feel quite vulnerable, then, you know, we have this amazing 24-hour helpline, so it's a 24-hour website with resources to go to, and you can pick up the phone and just let them know, I've just done this really big thing. I've just wrote this big submission. I've sent it. I'm feeling really vulnerable right now. And there's somebody on the end of the phone who's a nurse or midwife or both uh, who will be able to help you Mm. with that process.
0: Yeah. And, you know, if we have midwives, other parents, women, uh, care providers, researchers, advocates, all putting in submissions, I mean, there's a lot of babies that are born every year here in Australia. And, you know, this could create a lot of volume. And if there are people in Politics sitting under piles of paper from letters of people who've experienced or understand birth trauma and want to educate them, that's going to make a difference. So, both of you could comment on this, but how many submissions do you think is a lot? Like, what would be an amazing outcome if they said we got this many thousand submissions? How, what number does it, do you think it needs to be to make it sort of a really noisy issue?
3: we want we want thousands of submissions like in the Woolen in the Illawarra Shoalhaven LH the local health district we have you know 3000 babies born annually so you know we know that there's very lots of women and parents experiencing trauma here so i think you know 5000 would be an amazing number the best study i think hazel correct me if i'm wrong it was nearly 9000 people responded so if every single one of those people that took the time to respond to the best study survey made a submission then you know stuff it let's say 20,000 submissions Mm. it was a very short time frame so what what was it Hazel maybe it's like eight weeks maybe or seven weeks in total and we know so when Emma Hurst came to an event that we held a couple of few weeks ago on a birth awareness event and she said that there's a massive rush at the end so Mm -hmm. it's not unusual to get on the night before submissions close to get 500 to a thousand submissions made on that you know the night before Mm -hmm. that's so that's my (laughs) that's my I didn't really answer that question, sorry, Mel, no, but you know, between 5,000 and 20,000 would be right, great. But
0: basically, basically the bigger the better, and this reminds me of, there was a circumstance in 2010, I think it was, when I was just, I'd just only been a few years into private practice, and it looked like just through a series of dodgy legislative decisions that home birth could be extinct overnight and, Everybody banded together and like three to 4,000 people turned up on the steps of parliament demanding change. And that it was called the mother of all rallies. And that really pivoted the, the landscape. And all of mm-hmm. a sudden it got attention. So, this is the idea we need to generate attention. Yeah, were you we all I, there for that? I was there. Were you there? Shay? Yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, were you there, Mel?
0: Mel was not there. I can see
1: it on her face. He Mel was at a birth. Mel was at a birth, the rest of us were there. I was at a birth in Fiji.
3: Add to that, that so even though we're a consumer group, organisation, we get a lot of midwives and student midwives messaging us and jewelers. But I got a message from a midwife down here, and I don't know how she knows this, but she said uh, Wollongong has got a really large number of submissions that have been put through. So it could either mean that our you know we're using social media like we're all volunteers we don't get paid to do this we do this in our own time outside of our paid work etc so it's either lots of people in the Illawarra are traumatized which is true and it's also points to we have been working our asses off sharing this asking people to share it tagging people it is shameless like and I think one of the, I know I feel it in my body, I feel this like, oh, I don't want to ask that person to share this thing on this heavy topic. But we've got like on our website, um, Hazel's, your socials are amazing, Hygiene Health as well, really good. You can copy and paste. There's no, there's no plagiarism here. Copy and paste what we've written. Send an email. If you're a doula, then it is your responsibility to invite your clients in to have the opportunity to make a submission. You use all of the trauma-informed language. It's all in our, on our website, Hazel Hygia Health. You know, this is a choice that you can make. So it's we really need to put our tentacles out there. It reminds me of, you know, the Arab Spring in 2011, like a long time ago. And they overthrew an authoritarian regime using social media. So use, I know people are funny about that tool, but, you know, message five people that you know, message your old mum's group or parents' group, your clients. If you're a pelvic floor physio, then you know, in your next newsletter, which you're going to fast track and send out this Friday, provide people, it's not, you're not forcing anyone to do anything. You're actually trusting in the same way that we need to with birth. You trust that person to make the decision that's right for them. And if they make a submission, great. If they don't, that's also great. That's fine. But give people the opportunity, use your platform, use your networks, give your you know your clients your the the people that you've supported the opportunity to make a submission or not
0: yeah so i mean main message is that there is an interest in learning about and preventing birth trauma at the very least in this country but this is just at the beginning and so it seems as though lots of parties, political parties and people and professions and consumers and advocates have come together to create this circumstance. So now it's it's our turn. So if you're listening, it's your turn now. If you've not yet contributed to this movement, it's your turn to be the one little piece in the puzzle. And submissions close on August 11th. So it's the 7th today. This has just come out. So there's a whole week. And I know that this podcast gets at, gets around 20,000 downloads per week. So imagine even if you are a friend of someone who's experienced birth trauma, you could write a letter, you know, about your friend's experience. So this is everyone's responsibility. It's It's a few hours in your day. It's an emotional investment, and please take the day off the next day after you've done all this, because you earned the day off just by diving into that.
1: Who yes. who's gonna?
0: I'm not even gonna. I'm
1: <laughs> the, people gonna say who's gonna <laughs> pay me for that. Oh. I Hopefully know. Hopefully, got paid sick leave. <laughs>
0: it's it's a very you know simple solution. I've obviously it's more complex than that, but you know, take a bath. Something restore. Mm. After what you had to do, acknowledge that it's going to be an expensive emotional adventure to do this thing and take time to recover from that, whatever that looks like for you. I would dig many holes in the garden after making a submission. And my submission, I'm not coming from a background of birth trauma, but I did a PhD which showed that women make birth choices based on the experiences of their previous birth and birth trauma. And that'll be my angle for my submission. And so this can come from lots of people.
1: Yeah, you don't have to have birth in the system.
0: We definitely don't don't
1: have
2: to put that in because we are, we're putting a whole submission in from the birth experience study. And so we have a responsibility as academics, as teachers, as midwives and as researchers to use the data that we've got in, and, and throw that in there as well.
1: And you don't have to have birthed in the system. Like no. the system needs to hear about those that aren't birthing in the system as well and why. So we are talking about free birth here and home birth because they the government wants to hear from everyone.
0: Absolutely. So this is our call to action. If the birth great birth rebellion has been for nothing else, it will be to make an impact in this inquiry. So thanks, everybody, for for sitting with us in this episode. If you're listening to this after the inquiry closes on August 11th, the work is not over. And so, what you can learn from this inquiry that's happened is that change is possible. It's sometimes boring. You'll be a small part in a very big picture, and you need to be okay with that. It takes emotional energy, it takes your spare time. And so, it's not going to be easy. But if you're invested, you can use this little experience and this little kind of sandbox model of what could create some change and start to make a ripple in your little area and see if you can replicate this kind of thing. Do you, if you're inspired to make some change in a particular area, there can be an inquiry, another inquiry and another inquiry into maternity care services from lots of different angles. So this is not just meaningful until the until August 11 when submissions close. This is meaningful to create change later and know that even it doesn't matter where you sit in the landscape, whether you're a woman who's experienced it, if you're a consumer, if you've heard stories, if you're a researcher, if you're employed, if you're an advocate, birth worker, doula, whoever you are, you've got power and capacity to to generate change if you want to. Any final words from you, Sharon? Thank you, Mel and B, for
3: holding this space like the wonderful midwives that you've been for the past hour and to Hazel for your commitment and to every single person who wants to keep birth sacred and a transformative experience and, you know, that that's the end goal is that's what we want. So thank you to everybody who's going to make a submission or going to make some waves in their own community in Victoria or Queensland or wherever it is. Um, we're with you. There's a big, you know, there's lots of us. You're not alone.
1: Yeah. And massive just love and respect and admiration to to you, Sharon, and all the consumers that stand with you. because. I know how much capacity it takes to do this work. It is endless and it's relentless and you are all phenomenal um, and your passion and uh, commitment to this is incredibly inspiring. I'd have started with tears. I'm going to end with tears. So thank you for being there. And, And when I say you, Sharon, obviously you, but everyone who stands with you. And to Hazel and everyone who is doing research in this area because research speaks just as much as consumers speak. And we need, you know, I think what we haven't touched on greatly but we were talking a lot about it beforehand is that this kind of change requires collaboration. So thank you to the researchers, thank you to the consumers and everyone who gets on the bandwagon, Uh, a big passionate one.
0: (laughs) Hazel, have you got any final words for us before we finish up today? Well,
2: thanks for putting this on and and making this a call for action. And you know, really at the heart, I believe, is that every woman deserves respectful maternity care. And to really embrace that and to really honour that, we need to look at what is not respectful maternity care. And having women coming through this experience traumatised, dehumanized, violated and powerless, that is not respectful maternity care. And so we all have responsibility, no matter what camp we come from, wherever we come from, to do our best to ensure that into the future, we can honestly say that every woman has received respectful maternity care.
0: Beautiful point to finish on. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Hazel. Thank you, Sharon. Thank you, B. It's been this episode of The Great Birth Rebellion and we'll see you again next week.
1: Thanks for listening with us today. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast platform and join our mailing list at melaniethemidwife.com. Mel sends out weekly emails with access to all the evidence we use in this podcast. You can find out more about Mel at melaniethemidwife.com and find out more about me, B, at quorumfloor.com.au. We can't wait to bring you next week's episode of The Great Birth Rebellion. Yeah. Yeah.
3: <laughs> All right.